Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to ProPass, uh, the podcast where nothing is off limits. Uh, this week... Ladies and gentlemen, we have table tennis champ turned singer-songwriter, Zach Abel. Now, Zach's story is incredible. So before he made music, he was a tables tennis champ. He dominated his group. He dedicated years of his life to it. Um, but then he decided to change paths and he chose a music career instead. The big thing about that is he actually had a problem with losing his hearing. At the age of 21, he started to lose his hearing. And as a musician, you can imagine how tough that was. He really opens up about that whole experience, how terrible it was, how his life turned upside down. Um, But he continued to pursue his passion. The episode covers all of this. So I hope you really enjoy it. And it's an incredibly inspiring episode. Also, if you're listening to this um, and you haven't subscribed to um, us, wherever you're listening to the podcast, if you please can just click that little subscribe button. It means so much. And also just a reminder, we're on all social media channels, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, at Private Podcast. Okay, enjoy this episode with Zach Abel. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, You've been playing tennis today. I have, yeah. Uh, you yeah, complain about a blister that you have. I got a blister. I can't believe you are complaining about a blister on your hand. Just before this, you were saying, like, <laughs> you were speaking to me as if you understood my pain and you were on my side and now now you've taken the side against the blister. We had just met and yeah. I just, I thought, what what way can I help you feel more comfortable? It worked. It did. And now I feel like I've been duped. Yeah, because you're being a pussy. I, about- I mean, <laughs> it hurts. What can I say? It hurts a lot. Uh, dude, how are you? How's life? How's everything? Life is good. Um, yeah. I had a great night's sleep last night, which uh, means that the world is a, is a beautiful place again. This is so interesting. I've just started using something called a whoop. I don't know. I know it well. Okay. Yeah. So it's tracking my sleep and my performance, whatever that is. Yeah. Matt, I didn't realize how important sleep is. It's massive. Yeah. I, I, I went to therapy like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he asked me was, how are you sleeping? Really? That was the number one thing he cared about. He's like, how are you sleeping? And I was like, mm, not very well. He's like, all right, let's start with that. Why? And so, wait, hang on a second. So you, you went to therapy because your sleeping was bad or for other things? Well, I went 
Um, I love how we've gone yeah, yeah. so deep. So Straight quickly. in, baby. That was your fault. <laughs> that was my fault. I didn't mention therapy. You did. Yeah, if you mentioned therapy, you think oh, I'm not going to lock onto it. Let's um, go. Well, basically, I started losing my hearing when I was like 21. And I had an operation on my ears, which meant I had um, tinnitus 24-7. And because of that, I was really struggling with like my mental health. I thought I was going mad. Yeah. And so I went to therapy to so- kind of find a solution for tinnitus. Yeah. And um, this guy was like a a mindfulness cognitive based therapist mm. um and he was helping me through tinnitus um and yeah his whole thing was uh you know start with sleep man tini- i've got tinnitus have you well uh, in both ears uh more the right okay than the left mine started um sorry to take the thunder away from you no no, no i'm i'm might as well share this thunder. <laughs> okay, Please okay. share this thunder with me. Man, it was... Um, but weirdly for me, this is... And interesting stats about... I'm sure you know this, but the audience might not know. One in 10 people in the world have tinnitus. I didn't actually know Yeah, that. one in 10. It's crazy. And, okay. and it's incurable, right? So At the moment, yeah. At the moment, yeah. Because the idea behind, th- behind tinnitus is what happens is you have your hair follicles in your ear mm. that uh, when sound hits it... They bent, they get bent back and they send a noise to your brain that you can hear something, right? With mm. tinnitus, those hair follicles are broken. So they're mm. constantly sending a signal to your brain to hear a noise. So it can right. be louder or quieter, depending. Yeah. And you can go and get a really high buzzing noise. Or What's your buzzing? So in this ear, it's... And in this one, it's... Oh, you got a great mix. Thank you. <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. What, what, what's yours? Mine is, hold on, I got to take my headphones off to hear it. Like that. That's but a bit more, but a bit shh in it as well. It's like shh. That's exactly. So for for anyone listening now who doesn't understand tinnitus or imagine that noise. Mm. Zach, do it again. Constantly. Yeah. All day, every day, 24-7. But you'd never know. Because I don't know what's in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why it's like the silent killer. It's it's like yeah. a, it's terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, no, you, no, 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 you've got skin in the game. It's also affecting you. So you, you can. <laughs> okay. I'll go. Yeah, go on. Okay. No, you're in the middle. Of okay. I shouldn't have interrupted. <laughs> okay. I'll go. So, um, yeah, mine's, I remember I went to like a, I remember when I was a kid, I remember saying to my mum, mm. I can, I can hear silence. Mm. And my mum said, what do you mean? I said, I can hear silence. Mm. So I think as a kid, I almost had something going on there, or I was just hyper aware. Maybe right. I think there's a lot of things around tinnitus, right? Firstly, it, so typical hearing damage can cause it. Yeah. Anxiety can be a big cause of it, all these different things. And I mm. think I must have been an anxious kid because right. I think I had a slight bit. Anyway, I went on a, a cut to when I was like 26, I think it was 27, went to a nightclub and I woke up the next day very hungover and I spent my whole night with my head in this you know, speaker. Mm. And I woke up and there was this ringing, this mm. high-pitched noise that we made. And I was like, oh my God, what the hell is that? So I went looking around the higher house to find it. Couldn't find <laughs> it. I was like, where the hell is this thing? <laughs> Suddenly realized it was in my head. Right. And I can only imagine, I was 25, you were 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah, but 21, it's, it's a huge difference between 21 and 25, I think. I, in, in just in terms of life and stuff like that. Man, it nearly killed me at the beginning. Yeah, I think it's scary at first because you're like, is that a plane overhead? Yeah. It's kind of that kind of distant, far away thing. Um, and mm. it is, it, you know, it was quite scary at first. Um, How did yours start? Well, I, I've got something called otosclerosis, which is um, 
It's like a progressive hearing loss. So um, it's the same thing that Beethoven had and Frankie Valli had. Okay. And did you ever watch The Aviator? Yeah. Do you know Howard Hughes? Yeah. So, you know, when he was going deaf, it's what yeah. he had as well. Wow. And um, it's basically the stapes bone in your ear becoming overgrown and brittle and not vibrating properly. And it, it just means that your hearing gets worse and worse and worse in that ear. And it's like 50% genetic, um, like or hereditary. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, but no one in my family has it. So it's random. It wasn't caused by listening to loud music. But how, how did it start? Did you suddenly just feel like you couldn't hear as well? Yeah, I was, uh, so there were, there were roadworks happening outside the flat I was living in. And uh, if I had my head on one side of the pillow, I could hear it. And then if I had my head on the, like my ear on the other side, I couldn't hear it. What? And I was like, wow, okay, this is actually great because I can sleep longer if I just sleep on that side. But then I was like, wait a minute, wait, have I got like an earwax buildup? And then I went to get it tested, have like a CT scan. And uh, they're like, yeah, you've got autosclerosis in, in both your ears. And um, Is that rare to have it in both? I don't know. You don't know, you didn't ask? No, I should have asked actually. You should have asked. <laughs> go, let's go and ask that. Yeah, word. Um, <laughs> let's go and ask. But yeah, so I, I noticed it more in one ear and then um, I had an operation on that ear which um, most of the time, uh, you know, fixes your hearing for most people. And mm. in terms of volume, it did fix mine. But as a, what they call a skilled listener, i.e. someone who uses listening as their job, yeah, it really messed me up. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if I was in tune or not for like a year. Oh my God. And so, yeah, I just had to like, um, just figure it out and adapt. And, and I have done, which is really cool. Um, but but because you you you, you it's like you're a musician and yeah. you're in that industry and you're 21 years old or you know younger and you're experiencing this kind of thing and that for anyone I remember again just to to relate it to the way I relate it with to you is that I wanted to be a rugby player mm. and I was on tour in Italy I caught the ball ran across the pitch sidestep past this guy mm. my knee just and he landed on top of my knee my whole knee jackknifed and it was yeah. my ACL ligament gone and I was 17, 10, 18 want to be professional and then that was my career just gone like that and and, yeah. and it's weird. I went on another podcast and spoke about it and it was just it was a blessing in disguise mm. but it was the worst thing in the world at the time my whole world yeah. came crashing down yeah. and I imagine as a musician it's just like how can the stars align like that to do yeah. that to me yeah I definitely felt like that a little For bit. For sure, right? I had a bit of an identity crisis as yeah. well. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to be able to be a musician. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't have any like A-levels or didn't go to uni. So I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Oh, man. Um, but, you know, luckily, I think human beings are amazing. We, we adapt and we, we do what we can do. Yeah. And um, that's certainly been the case with me. Um, I'm able to still make music and I wear a hearing aid in one of my ears and, and I, yeah, I do what I can do and I can still sing better than some people. So, so when it, but when it started kicking in, mm. how, how do you process that, process that in your own mind? I mean, does that lead to anxiety yeah. and all those different things? Yeah, I, I was, before it happened, I was a generally like anxious person anyway. So and then we're when, so similar. Yeah, we are. Maybe <laughs> so, we're the same person. We're so similar. <laughs> um, but then when, I started losing my hearing and I had the operation. I was even more anxious. And um, it was also a, the best and worst thing which happened to me because... Why was it the best thing? Because by going to therapy mm -hmm. and 
kind of putting myself in a bit of a sink or swim situation, I realized that if, if I continue to relate to the same, relate to the things in my life in the same way, which is, you know, try and control every little thing and worry about the things that I can't control, I'll just go mad. And I, I just had no choice but to experience life differently and try to have a more mindful experience. Mm. Um, and so I had to relinquish control of, you know, my hearing because I had no control. I have no control over how I hear. So once I kind of start Surrender to, yourself. Yeah, to completely it. surrender to reality and then try and focus on the things I can control, life was a lot more enjoyable. Man, um, it's so interesting you say that. It's, it, you, you sort of got the key to... Um, I don't know. It basically it took me a long time, right? Especially with something like anxiety. Mm. And, and I talk a lot about like anxiety in this podcast. I think if you've been through anxiety or some sort of mental health situation, you almost like to vent about it because it's just, it's so shit so much, right? It's like when you yeah. go through a breakup, all you want to do is talk about it. It's like yeah. when mental health, you just want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and for me with like, it's so funny with, with tinnitus mm. was a real blessing to me because it was uncontrollable. Yeah. Same thing. So it's there. Someone yeah. said to me, this is for life. Yes. You're never going to find a cure. There's no cure at the moment. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And it yeah. was really shocking. And I was like, oh my God. And they said, well, don't worry, just treat it. I remember they said to me, they said, treat it like aircon in the room mm. or like crickets at night. Mm. If you think about hearing the aircon in the room or the fan in the room, whatever it is, you're going to hear it. It's going to annoy you. But if you just let it be, you yeah. you, you just accept it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And And because of that, when I felt so anxious... Instead of going, I feel anxious, I'm going to fight this. You just accept it. Yeah, it's the only way. I, Acceptance I, is the key to, yeah. to freedom. Yeah, I, I had the best analogy um, that someone told me was um, the tinnitus exists. It's real. Mm -hmm. It exists 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. It's always there, right? Equally, so that's, so that's for your, for your um, auditory field, right? Yeah. In your visual field, your nose exists 100% of the time. It's there right now oh God, in, no, in mine. I'm going to look at it all the time now. Especially a nose as big as mine. It's there, it's there all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the, the same thing is, it exists, but we don't notice it. Because you choose to, your brain chooses to ignore it. It's so unimportant and so uninteresting that you stop paying attention to it. And after a while, it becomes, you don't notice it. And it, and it is almost the same as it not existing because mm. you're not perceiving it. So the same thing is true for tinnitus. Like the best, I was really, really lucky that one of my best friends um, uh, had an experience with hearing loss where he lost his hearing like overnight, like half yeah. of his hearing overnight, about four years before me. And so he was able to like kind of impart this wisdom on, onto me at the time. And he's like, you're going through tinnitus? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you'll get over that. Yeah. <laughs> I had my yeah. friend Jimmy. Yeah, I had my yeah, friend yeah. Jimmy. He said yeah. the same thing. He said, oh, well, he said to me, welcome to the club. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, like, thank God someone else has got this situation yeah. going on. Yeah. It, it, it's that acceptance. Yeah. But the hardest thing to do is to learn to accept it. I remember when I, um, when I had these sort of, anxiety attacks or whatever I was having when I was much younger, mm. like in my early 20s. And I wasn't looking after myself or whatever. And the, the therapist said to me at the time, mm. said, Jamie, the hardest thing for you is firstly to accept that you're going to live with this forever. Mm. And that is the worst thing to say to someone in that situation, but it's also the best. The best yeah. yeah, because they say, you're going to learn to live with it. And I said, mm. well, I'm not living with it. Are you kidding me? This is not me. No way. So are you joking? Yeah. And then actually when you realize, actually, no, you do. You learn to live with it. And mm. it's actually the best advice. And you get that acceptance. It's amazing. Yeah. 
but I suppose it can make you or break you at the same time. Yeah, I think it's so. It's like tough love, isn't it? It's like, this is how it is. No sugarcoating it. Your life has been the same because you you grew up also playing table tennis. That's right, yeah. So talk me through that because, and you got to number five in the world under 18, so... I wish I got to number five in the okay. world. I w- I'd probably still be doing that. Well, why are you number- here then? I honestly <laughs> yeah. thought... No, I, was, I was number one in the UK for my age group um, and... I actually don't know what my world ranking would have been but, for but my age group. Give me... So, so how do you get into something like table tennis? How does that happen? Um, so... I was really random, man. Um, I was living next to this park growing up and uh, I used to like rollerblading. And me and my mum went to the park and she wanted to go home. I didn't want to go home. Uh, so I rollerbladed away from her. And I see this guy running to a tree and back with these two um, girls and they were like racing. And I'm like, can I race you? I was, I was nine at the time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so I start racing this guy. And I'm like, so what do you do for a living? He's like 24. Imagine getting asked what you do for a living by a nine-year-old, right? Yeah. I'm like, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I'm a table tennis coach. And I, and I thought I was amazing at table tennis. So I was like, oh, I'll be your table tennis. I'm sick at table tennis. And um, at, at this point, my mum caught up with us. And uh, he said to my mum, why don't, why don't you bring Zach to this exhibition I'm doing? Um, and so she was like, yeah, all right. So she took me to this exhibition. And I realized how terrible I was at table tennis. And I hate being bad at things um and so it made me want to start training yeah. and so i started he became my coach um a guy called ellie barati yeah he, he was my coach my whole career and is one of my best friends now um and yeah within two years uh became number one in england for my age group what the hell yeah <laughs> okay and and what how I played, I played table tennis at school, right? right? You know, I think a lot of us have done that. And I think someone, you know, who's listening to this right now thinks I'm pretty good at table tennis. Everyone thinks they're good at table tennis. It's How, the one sport where yeah, everyone thinks I think I'm good. pretty good, right? How good do you have to be to be good? I know that's a hard question. How good do you have to be to, to be, be good? good? When you say I'm good at thing, like if I was to play you now or back in the day when you were very yeah. good, would I win a point from you? Maybe, yeah. Okay. But only because I'd make a mistake. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, big guy. Okay, real. all right, big guy. Okay, but, I respect but, you too much to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. But it's but it's that it's it's that competitive. It's that hard. It's 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 you know it's it's a proper obviously it's proper professional sport. But mm. in terms of training, the yeah. training is rigorous. It's it's constant. Yeah, it's all it's, the time. Um, you know, at my peak. So when I was fourteen, um, I decided to go up a year in school. I did my GCSEs a year early. Yeah. So I took an, a gap year when I was 15 and moved to France by myself to train and play for a French club. And uh, when I was there, I was training about five hours a day, six days a week. And it's, it's intense, man. It's so intense. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you moved to France. You're 15 years old. Yeah. And your your mum is like, yes, that's totally fine. You can go and do that. I mean, bless her. She's she's really kind of supported me on whatever I've wanted to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was just like, look, you want to do table tennis and it's obviously something you're good at. Do it. Try it. And so, yeah, I moved to this, uh, it was a club called Henbon yeah. in, uh, in Brittany. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, they, they gave me uh, French lessons every day and 
paid for me to go to the school and all my accommodation and food was sorted. I didn't get any like money or anything. So I suppose I was semi-pro. Um, wow. And I was playing for this French club. Is, is that why a lot of people go to this French club? Um, is it sort of renowned to be known as something as quite famous? Maybe, maybe in France. France is very different to the UK in, in that they have a, a, an amazing setup for table tennis players. Um, the UK is not... It's not really the the place to yeah. uh, to to train. Um, Germany's great as well, and then obviously China's incredible. But if you go professional, you, you make money doing that, or yeah, you, you can do. It it depends what level you play at. Um, but you know, it, it also depends where you play. So, for example, if you play in like the the Chinese league or the Japanese league, oh my god, you can make good money. But what type of money are we talking? If you if you're a top player in the Chinese or Japanese league, I actually don't know now. But back in the day, it was like. I don't know, 80 to 100 grand a year or something like wow, that. So you're on a good salary. Good salary, but then maybe now it's become more or less popular. I haven't actually wow. I haven't thought about becoming a professional. And there's a whole one. league in doing it as well. And yeah, I think that there's a misconception in this country that just because it's not like televised, mm. it's not a big sport. But like if you go to China, for example, it's huge. Yeah. Like huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, people will watch. It's their national sport, maybe. I think it? it might be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's 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 massive. What is something like if you do something like table tennis? Because I, I, what I find about anyone who and you, you know you do music and then you're you're doing table tennis, but but anyone who I find professional sportsman, um, the discipline they have, yeah, and the almost uh, quick growth they have in terms of just their mindset is really what mm. did table tennis from a young age doing that and being that sort of discipline teach you i think it taught me to be quite um i suppose like self-reflective because in order to improve you have to analyze your your performance and try to try to be better i think you also have to be quite resilient because mm. you're going to lose a lot and that's how you learn that's how you win um and why is that how you win well in order to win, you have to try. Yeah. Right? So you have to put yourself in situations where you can win. Yeah. Inevitably, when you're getting better, there's going to be people who are better than you. And so you will lose along the way. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, that, that's a part of it. That's a part of, of learning, isn't it? So it teaches you to be reflective. It teaches you to understand. Sort of, does it teach you the, the value? What other values does it teach you? Because it's quite a... Because you go and do that, but then you don't continue it. As in, as me personally? Yeah. Yeah, well, when I moved to France, I was there by myself. I yeah. saw, I was surrounded by professional table tennis players and I saw their lifestyle and it just seemed quite monotonous. And it seemed, it seemed, um, it seemed like there was a part of me which I wouldn't really be able to express. Um, a creativity and an, an emotional vulnerability, which was only really possible with music and writing songs. And that's why I decided to stop table tennis and start pursuing music. I just fell in love with music. It was also something which I found very comforting when I was living in France, not being, you know, a, a fluent French speaker mm. um, and not having any of my friends or family there. Music was very, very comforting to me. Um, and it, it, yeah, I just, I connected with, uh, you know, artists like Paolo Nutini and Adele yeah. and, um, Maverick Sabre. And I was like, man, 
imagine if I could do that. That'd be really cool. But did you know you had a good voice? I think I, I, I thought I could sing. My mum had always been very encouraging, but all mums are encouraging. They're like, oh yeah, you're a great singer. Yeah. But they sometimes lie. And, uh, but that amazing inner confidence you have. Yeah, well, I, so at 15, I started to, and it was around this time, I started to put YouTube videos up of me singing just yeah. to see what people thought. And um, it was amazing. It, it, like, I got great responses from, from people that I, you know, wouldn't have expected to have good responses from. And yeah, and, and some managers got in contact with me and, and that's kind of how everything started. And I really, really enjoyed singing. And I was like, Man, this, this seems to be the next path. And I don't know how I knew, but I was just like, it's right for me to stop table tennis, something that I'd been putting so much time into what? and just do music. But how do you pivot like that? Like that is at that age? I just think that, that isn't, you put so much effort in since you were nine years old, pretty yeah. much. And then you get 15 years old, you go, okay, fine. I'm going to pivot to music now. Yeah. And I, also putting YouTube videos up when you're 15 years old is like, that's like social suicide for some people. That's what it, that's what it was, <laughs> yeah, right? And this yeah. is what's so upsetting I find about so many people is that I've met loads of people who go, oh, I was doing that back in the day, but then I just felt like I was too embarrassed. To do it. You didn't have any embarrassment. You wanted to do You put music videos up there because that's what you wanted to do. I admire yeah. your kind of confidence. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always just been a plan A guy. Um, like when I wanted to do table tennis, um, I left a really great school uh, where I had a 100% bursary to go there mm. uh, to a, um, essentially it was a failed state school which became an academy mm. because there was an opportunity to do table tennis. And yeah, much to my mum's dismay, I just always followed what I wanted to do. What is harder, the music industry or the sports industry? They're, I couldn't say. They're both so hard, but for completely different reasons. Is there more luck, though, in music compared to sport? Yes, definitely. Must you, be, right? Yeah, there is. Um, you can get rewarded for doing something which isn't necessarily as hard, and then it's, it just comes off for you, and you're like, how the hell did I get here? I know, because it's happened to me. Mm. <laughs> um, and it's happened to other people I know as well. Um, but I think in terms of longevity, they're the same. You need to be consistent. You need to... You need to have quality in everything that you do and in the team that you surround yourself with. Yeah. Those are, those are the same. It's interesting because I had, I, I, cause I, we were talking earlier and they, you have a story where you were asked apparently in 24 hours to. Uh, uh, yeah, 72 hours. Okay. Well, yeah, can, yeah, you yeah. can explain the story. So what story am I talking about? So I was sat on the sofa at home in, in my boxes watching Desperate Housewives and I get a call from my manager <laughs> saying, um, someone's pulled out of of the the king's coronation concert do you want to sing in it and i was like yeah all right cool and i was like what's the song and they're like don't you forget about me my simple mind i'm like i haven't heard of it but i'll, I'll check it out <laughs> <laughs> and so uh yeah i just listened to it and i'm like it's quite a good song it's quite a good song um what's uh <laughs> what's the what's the key you know what's the arrangement mm -hmm. and uh then I get uh, a, like a backing track sent to me. Um, and the person before me was a, a female singer. And so it was a lot higher. Yeah. And uh, I was in town like suit shopping because I, I got married. And, hey, congrats. Um, thank you. Thank you. You too. Snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, was, I was suit shopping uh, for the wedding. And um, 
then they send me this backing track. I'm like, yeah, this is way too high. They're like, yeah, I mean, don't know if you actually get a chance to change it or rehearse because it's so, it's so late in the day and the, the rehearsals were the same day that I got asked. Oh and I was like, wait God. a minute, wait a minute. So I've run, I was, I was right next to the Steinway piano shop. And I'm like, wait, let me, let me just figure something out. So I just listen to the backing track and I start playing the pianos in the, in the, in the shop and I figure out the key. I'm, there's like people around like trying to buy pianos and I'm just like, I just have to do this. So I'm like singing my heart out like, don't you forget about me. No, no, not that one. Don't you forget about, okay, that works. And now I'm like, okay, do it in F major to the, the guy who's like the, the musical director of the whole thing. And because I told him so quickly, he was like, okay, we actually, I might have time to like rescore everything. Cause bear in mind, there's like a choir, yeah. an orchestra and Alexis French um, on the piano. He had to learn everything again in a different key. But because I'd done it so quickly, he was like, yeah, right, cool. We actually can make this work. Come to Windsor Castle now for rehearsal. What the and hell? so I was like, all right, yep, Wait, yeah. Wait, sorry, what the and hell? And it was just the juxtaposition of Did like they get you a car? There, like, did they get you a car? Or you had yeah, to get, they did get yeah, me okay, a car. Okay, good, thank God, okay. Thank you. Thank you, King, for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, just the juxtaposition of like being slouched on the couch and not having anything to do um, to then, you know, going to rehearsals and then performing in between, I think it was Katy Perry and Lionel Richie on the Sunday. <laughs> who, who dropped out? Freya Riding. Freya Ridings, yeah. yeah. She's actually been on the, my podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, she's been on the podcast before. Yeah, she, she was really, I mean, I, I sent her a message because she had... um acute bronchitis yeah um, and i sent her a message and i was like i'm so gutted for you because i know what it's like when slash you... i'm so happy that so, oh, no, i mean no, no, no. <laughs> you just said anyone going sucker no no, no. <laughs> no. but I, I i just messaged her. i was like look I, we've all been there as singers when we're sick and yeah we're not able to do something that we love which so much planning would have gone into and um i just said you know i hope that i did it justice and and uh, i hope you're feeling better and she was really lovely she was like Good i saw you, it man. and and like well done and thanks for thanks for covering for how nerve-wracking is doing something like that oh i was shitting myself really <laughs> yeah um it was, it was very nice so you sit so you're in in the dark you're sitting you're not playing the piano right you're just behind the mic i wasn't playing oh man i was i was lucky i wasn't playing the piano um yeah it was so luckily because i was i was learned i was trying to learn the song so i must have listened to it about 200 times in yeah. three days before and um Luckily, there was an auto cue on stage as well. I didn't even know there would be. And I was like, you're joking. I, I get an auto cue for the lyrics. Because I, I never have that for my own shows. Yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, you can have it. I'm like, yes. Um, and there was supposed to be a massive one. Like, if so I'm looking straight ahead. And for some, and in rehearsals, there was on the day of the gig. Nah, it, 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 was, it was turned off. Great. Uh, but there was a tiny one just right there. So I was like, okay, if I need it, it's there. Luckily, I didn't need it. Um, otherwise, you would have seen me like looking down. Yeah, the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's but, almost you attempted to do that though when you have like an audio cue. They almost tempted to. Yeah. Okay, everybody, that's the end of part one. All you have to do, as always, is go and click over to part two wherever you're listening to this podcast to listen to the rest of the episode with Zach Abel. 